The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. We're going to be in Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 18, and talk about completeness. It's, it's, very, it's very common for people to be near the kingdom, but be incomplete. So they're near, around, close to the kingdom, and they're, they're incomplete in all the kingdom has to offer. And so uh, we might look at that and go, well, that's okay. I mean, some people want to be really in it, and some people kind of want to be on the fringes. It's not okay. Like, it's, it's not a good thing. And let me give you something to illustrate that. Uh, last night, LSU played a complete game. <laughs> Oklahoma played an incomplete game. And so which side of that do you want to be on? Obviously, LSU is enjoying the spoils of their labor and putting together a complete game, uh, and it was obvious, right? And so when it comes to the kingdom, there is a completeness um, that we're never, like, we never come to a place in our lives where we're, um, where the Lord has finished growing us. But we do come to a point where we're complete in Christ, so that all that is necessary for uh, development to take place and, and really to grow and flourish in the kingdom is available. And so discipleship is the cure for incompleteness, is that whenever we go through the process of discipleship, what is that? That's being um, taught the ways of the Lord. So in the context of what we're talking about today, discipleship is being taught in the ways of Jesus. And we see that in our text in Acts chapter 18, beginning in verses 18 through uh, chapter 19, verse 7. And so today I'm going to share an incomplete message about completeness, okay? Now why am I going to do that? Because uh, this is the last Sunday of the year, and with the campaign that we did back in November, it sort of disrupted our normal calendar. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, where we're headed in 2020 talk about some things to expect and, and approve the budget, and we're going to do all of that right here in, in the service. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah. Good, because that's the way we're doing it, even if it's not. <laughs> so uh, let's look at our text, and, and, and we'll start in verse 18. And so it says that um, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. And before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sincrea because of a vow he had taken. And they arrived, uh, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul and Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus when he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. So Paul continues on his missionary journeys. Now he's been ministering with um, Priscilla and Aquila, whom the Lord had brought together. And no doubt he poured into their lives. He invested into them. They were already uh, followers of Jesus, and, and he lived among them, and, and he uh, made tents because that was their trade, and that's how he made his living until Timothy and Silas showed up, but now he's, he's going on uh, ahead, and he's leaving them behind. And so they're there continuing to make disciples, and he's going to uh, plow the ground up ahead where uh, the, the movement of the kingdom will continue to happen. And so it says that uh, 
After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So we see that's what he's doing. He's involved in um, just this discipleship process of making people better in the Lord. Then it says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos. This is a pretty cool dude in Scripture. So meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Now, Alexandria was a um, it was a place like where universities existed. It was a thinking place. And so this was a sharp dude. And it says he was sharp. It says he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. Now, what's it talking about? It's talking about the Old Testament. This guy knew the Old Testament law. So everything that we have in the Old Testament from the prophets and the Mosaic law and, and the Psalms and the Proverbs, the wisdom literature and the poetic books, man, um, Apollos, he had these things down. He knew them. He was a learned man with thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had he'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. This is very important because we're going to see this happen twice in our text today. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explain to him the way of God more adequately. Okay, so there, there again, as is, is we see discipleship happening. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So this guy, man, he... He was very eloquent. He was a great debater, and the Lord used him in a mighty way, but there were some things that were incomplete about his walk in the Lord that had to be completed, and the Lord used Priscilla and Aquila in that. Then we look in verse 19. It says, while, Paula, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found what? Some disciples, okay? And he asked them. It's an important question to ask folks. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus and on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Okay, so very briefly, let me just make a few observations about this whole idea of completeness and what I see here. Um, and then we'll get into some of these things uh, that I, I need to share with you this morning. Verse 26 is a beautiful picture of discipleship. You see Priscilla and Aquila, they take and they pull Apollos aside and they explain the way of the Lord more adequately to Apollos. And so here we have a man who knew the word, a man who was educated, a man who knew the Old Testament scriptures. He knew the law, but he humbly, as he's making this presentation in defense, and he, he knows um, of Jesus, but there are some things that are, they, they hear him teaching, 
And they recognize, man, this guy, like the Lord is, it has, has a plan for this guy's life. They just can kind of see this happening um, in, in their thought process because as they heard him, they also recognized something that was missing. And so they saw an incredible debater and they saw an incredible teacher, but they did not see incredible power coming from him like it should be. There was something missing. And so they pull him aside and they begin to talk to him about this. And one of the things I love about this, there's a couple of things. One is that they recognized, um, they recognized there was something missing in Apollos' life. And so what do they do? Do they go and stop him in the midst of his talk? No. Um, do they rebuke him in public? No. They invite him to their home. And they get to know him, and they spend some time with him, and they explain more adequately the ways of the Lord. Now, this looks like it's a one-time meeting, but the fact of the matter is we don't know how long it took. We don't know how long they spent with him. We don't know how many meetings took place to um, more adequately explain the way of the Lord. But we do know that he came to a point where um, they had invested and poured into his life, and he, the lights came on about some things that were incomplete in his life. And so he was um, discipled by Aquila and Priscilla. Now, what's fascinating about that is he is a very learned man, a very educated man, and he knows more about the word than Priscilla and Aquila. But the problem is he didn't know the Lord more than Priscilla and Aquila. And what he does is he walks in humility and he places himself, even though he knows more um, of the word, even though he's been educated more than Priscilla and Aquila. He humbly acknowledges that they know something that he does not, and he, in his humility, he places himself under their leadership, and they disciple him more adequately in the ways of the Lord. And, and we see that he came to know the Lord the way that they knew the Lord. Then verse 27 and 28, this very cool thing happens. Um, Apollos heard the call to go, and so what did they do? They released him and sent him. Not only did they release him and send him, he was going into an area that Paul had paved the way to go uh, after him. And so as he goes into that area, he's not going to know anybody, but Priscilla and Aquila knew people. And so most likely, they are the ones who wrote the letter that endorsed him and said, listen, you can follow this guy. So what do they do? They made a disciple that could make a disciple that could make disciples, Okay. And so we see discipleship. I'm, now, I'm fascinated in this because um, in, in all of my life in ministry, you know, since the early 90s, um, I've taught the word and everything, but walking in this intentional discipleship is a new thing for me in the last um, five or six years where I've been intentionally walking out this whole idea of making disciples that make disciples. And instead of uh, uh, waiting for it to happen by chance or happen through just a pulpit ministry uh, of teaching on Sunday mornings, just really engaging in how do we intentionally make disciples that make disciples. And so as I've walked in that, every time I, I every passage of scripture I come to, I just keep seeing it. doesn't matter if I'm in the Old Testament or the New Testament, I just see this whole idea and objective of making disciples that make disciples. And so they, he hears the call. They write him a letter and they send him on. Um, and, and it says that he was a great help to the body. Now that's very important that he's a great help. Like before, I think what Priscilla saw in him, uh, Priscilla and Aquila saw in him as he was teaching was, man, here's a guy like he's got some incredible giftedness. 
But there's some things that need to be completed, corrected in his life. So they pull him aside, and as they spend time with him, and more adequately he comes to know the ways of the Lord, and he is released, what is he described as? One who is a great help to the body. And so what, what, he, what does he do? He simply, to be a help to the body, he discipled people in the ways of the Lord. That's what Apollos did, and, and I'll show you how I know that here in a moment. Now we look at verse 19 or chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, what do we see? Another picture of discipleship. There are 12 guys who were followers. They were described as followers uh, of the Lord, but they, what they, knew, they, they were following what they knew, but they needed to know the Lord, okay? They needed to know him. I think in Apollos' case, he knew the Lord, but there were some things that needed to be corrected. But in these guys' cases, they didn't know the Lord, and, and we know that because they don't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the scripture says that uh, if you do not possess the Holy Spirit, you do not know Jesus. Like that is a seal, a mark of knowing the Lord that you belong to God is that you are marked and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And these guys did not have him. And so what did Paul do? Paul discipled them in the ways of the Lord. And um, what we learn from that is that in that they come to a place where they receive the Holy Spirit and there's the same kind of a transformation among these guys. What they were is they were followers of John the Baptist. And so what did John the Baptist teach? He taught, man, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus and he was the one that was prophesied about that would prepare the way for the Messiah. And so he's raised up as a prophet when then 400 years there hadn't been a prophet. So we look at all of these Old Testament prophets, and we see that God consistently throughout history raised up prophets to speak to his people, the Jewish people. Well, we have this um, time of silence where God has not raised up a prophet. And it, it, it is the time from Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, um, uh, to the first book of the New Testament. Okay, so we have a silent interbiblical period. And it's known as the, the years when God went silent. Why? Because he didn't raise up a prophet. So for 400 years, there were no prophets. And then all of a sudden, God raises up John the Baptist. Now, what's interesting is that God used the prophets before he went silent to say that he would raise up a prophet. And so the people were waiting for the prophet. They were waiting to hear from, uh, from God. They wanted to hear from God. And, and a prophet was essential to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, the beautiful thing is, is that no, we no longer need a prophet to hear the voice of the Lord. Why? Because now the prophet lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. And so we no longer need a prophet because the prophet is in us. The prophet of the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so these guys um, didn't have him. They were just following the way of repentance. Now, what was John's teaching? Repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. So John's teaching was a 180-degree um, experience to turn away from what, how people were living. Now, it wasn't wrong because he was preparing the way for the Messiah, and he immediately, when he recognized Jesus, said, this is the guy you're supposed to follow, not me. And so he told them at this point in his ministry that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, many people didn't get that message. And so John had a ministry that the Lord used to bring out of the ground to prepare the way for the Messiah. But then he is beheaded, but a lot of his followers had gone on. So there were people that were teaching, repent 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So they were doing 180 degree living. What does that mean? It means that they were living and trying to follow God all in their own power. Okay? That's incompleteness. And so what does Paul ask them immediately? Have you, um, what baptism were you baptized in? And they say, we were baptized in the baptism of John. And, and he's like, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? We don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So what we, what we can learn here is that it's possible to be in and around and near the kingdom, but not be fully empowered by all the kingdom has to offer. And we're trying to do this thing in our own power. And so what can happen is it's a very dangerous place to live from because we start to perform for God. We start to live out of our own ability um, to please God. And so we start trying to go to church. I mean, I don't want to miss church because I'm supposed to be in church, okay? And I, I need to be there, and I don't want to upset God, so I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning. And we start to give, maybe, and we're like, I'm going to give, and, and I know I should give because um, I, I want to please God, and so I'm going to give to please God. Uh, we start to serve out of that, and we start to think, man, all of these ways. So what happens is, is we're running down a road of trying to please God out of our obedience, and that is a dangerous place to be because you can never obey enough to please God. And so you can get extremely discouraged. And we talk about this in discipleship, and we, we teach a shape around it just to help us kind of see it and for it to make sense. But it's, it's, a, it's our identity. And when our identity gets jacked up, then we start to perform for God, and we can resent other people because sometimes it seems like there are a lot of things happening in their life, and they, aren't, they don't seem to be working and trying as hard as we are. But yet, they're getting all of this movement. Now, why could that be the case? It is because they are not obeying God out of um, obligation and obe obedience and trying to understand and, and find their identity out of obedience. They understand who they are, and they are simply just obeying because of who they are. And so they realize, I belong to God. Uh, they realize that the Spirit lives in them, and there's nothing they did to deserve that other than just recognize that Jesus was the sacrificial Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so wh why, why, why do we take some time to look at this? It's because, man, I think this is a really a, a major problem in the modern-day church. We have too many people who are incomplete and they think they're complete in Christ when they're not. And they're running this thing backwards. They're trying to please God by their behavior instead of recognizing you are just pleasing to God for one reason. And that is that Jesus has covered your sin. He's the perfect sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. Now when you get that, when, when the lights come on for you and you realize that, it is a, an incredible place of freedom to function from. And so now you have a desire to serve the Lord and to be in church. Why? Because of who you are and you want to be around people who are like you. You want to be around people who the lights have come on and you encourage one another. And, and, and this fellowship thing happens because you're part of the family of God. And so all of your identity is flowing out of who Christ is and what Christ has done in your life. And so your obedience flows out of your identity instead of trying to get your identity from your obedience. And, and so like when we look at this, if we see these guys, this is exactly where they were. Now, many people believe that these 12 guys became the elders of the Ephesian church, which is pretty cool. He said, Paul uh, ministered to them. He disciples them in the ways of the Lord. And, and uh, they become these leaders within the church. 
And so I just wanted to take a, a few moments before we jump into the um, sort of some of the business and, and looking forward in the church for 2020 is to just think about, man, as you head into this year, you need to answer the question, am I complete in Christ? Do I have the Holy Spirit in my life? Like, do I possess him? Like, that's a question. Um, th- th- do I ever have doubts about things? Does doubt creep in my mind here and there? Sure it does. I think that's a normal thing. But guess, guess what? I do not have any doubt about whatsoever. The Holy Spirit. Like, I have no doubt whatsoever that the Holy Spirit is in me. I have no doubt whatsoever that the Holy Spirit enables me to preach and teach the word. That the Holy Spirit prompts me. He speaks to me. He leads me along as I'm listening to um, the Lord try to guide me along this path of life. The more I am in the word and the more I sit with the Lord, the more sensitive I am to the Holy Spirit. So I have zero doubt about whether or not the Holy Spirit is in me. Okay? I'm complete. Do you have any doubt? Because you shouldn't, okay? And I don't say that to say, man, I'm trying to get on you. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable. No, I'm trying to get you where I am. I'm trying to do the same thing Paul did with these 12 brothers who were confused and incomplete. It is the way of the Lord that we, are, we become complete in Christ and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and so we look at this and we go, we, 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 there's so many things about our culture that confuses us about this and we need to really stop and think about, has that ever happened for me? And if it hasn't, then we merely just um, ask the Lord to begin to teach us and he will begin to teach us. And we listen to those he's placed around us because what is the objective of the church? It is to go and make disciples. And so I'm not going to take any more time to um, uh, teach on that. I'd like to, but I, I need to do this other stuff. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the rest of our time and we're going to talk about where we're headed in 2020. Because I think it does have some, some really cool things that connect with completeness. Now, here's, here's one of the things that I would say. As we look ahead into the future as, as your pastor, is I don't have all the answers, okay? Now, I used to feel like, man, I gotta, I gotta lead these people, and they're looking to me for direction. And I, I used to put an incredible amount of pressure on myself uh, to try to lead the people in the kingdom of God. Back at my last church in Oklahoma, and e- you know, even here, it would be easy to do that. But there's an incredible amount of freedom that comes from being able to stand before you and say, I don't have all the answers. Like, I don't, I don't know how all of this stuff shakes out. But here's what I do have an answer for. And it comes from the Lord. If we continue to make disciples that make disciples, we will get the church. Okay? Like, if we just keep doing that, as long as, now, now it's very easy to get off track there and start trying to do other things to build a body. Like, well, we can have this event and we can have that event. There's nothing wrong with events. But our primary mission is to make disciples that make disciples. Because if we continue to make disciples as they did here and we see in the New Testament, they just go and move around and they would just keep making disciples. And not everybody got it. But some people would get it and they would stick. And those people would make disciples. And ultimately, these groups of people turned into churches. And, and, and so Paul was one who was used in a mighty way to be a part of that. And so um, when we look in 2020, here, here are a few things um, a few new things to expect. One is new discipleship groups, okay? New, group, new D groups. Now, I would say this. 
Um, it's very easy that as we have new groups come out of the ground, you may not get invited into a group. Or you may not feel at this time that you um, are ready to be in a group. And I would say to you, okay, that's okay. If the Lord is not calling you into that, I, re- I actually don't want to start you until you are ready. I don't want to see you try to start something that's just going to frustrate you and the person leading you. And so we really teach men, listen to the Lord and ask the Lord who is showing you, uh, who, are, who is the Lord showing you to, you're to invite into your life and, and be a part of um, making disciples that make disciples. And so uh, if, if you have a desire to walk in discipleship, I'd encourage you to be in prayer about that. And I would say may, maybe everybody doesn't get uh, discipled like because in the first go-round because we may, we're going to have new people that come to the church over the next two or three months. And the new groups will already have started. And this takes about a year to do and go, go through, sometimes um, even longer. And so wh- what about all the people that come? Like what do we do with those folks? Well, if I look at this, I see that when you make a disciple that can make a disciple, the body is just helped, okay? So regardless of whether a person is walking in discipleship currently, the entire body benefits from a disciple that can make a disciple because they just impact the body. It just shapes the body. And so as we have people that understand the word more and understand how to hear from the Lord and understand how to walk in obedience, it doesn't matter if if we're meeting with them in a routine manner. As long as they're around and we can be around them, we can benefit from them. And so we press on with the Great Commission, doing what Jesus said to do, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and do what? Teach them to obey um, everything that I've shared with you. And so um, that's like we got some new, new discipleship groups that are coming out of the ground. We go into this abide season about the middle of December through the middle of January, and new groups will be coming out of the ground. That's exciting because we will have more discipleship groups at OPCC than we've ever had. And that's exciting as we think about, man, what is the Lord doing around here? He, well, he's showing us as we go on. All right, so we'll have new upgrades, okay? We currently have $329,000 that that's been pledged to the building. And so, um, again, the Lord just did that. Like, we just found ourselves in the midst of that. We trusted him as he opened the door, and we walked through it. Of that $329,000 that is pledged, one hundred thirty-two point five is already in the bank. Now, this is not our normal operational cash fund. Like people give weekly around here out of their normal tithe, and that goes to keep the lights on, to um, pay the staff, to just do ministry, okay? So that normal tithe. So this is not the same budget that we're talking about. We'll talk about that budget here a little later. And so um, we're excited about all of a sudden, man, the Lord has put us in a position to make some major upgrades uh, to the exterior of the building. And so where are we at in that process? Well, we are in the process of hiring uh, engineers and geotechnical consultants. Woohoo! <laughs> that sounds fun, right? Uh, and so, and so we're, we're in the process of getting those guys um, secured. And then we expect that by the end of February, the construction documents will be finished. And so we will, once those are complete, um, hopefully by the end of February, we will secure permits, we'll secure the financing, um, and the, then we'll start securing the different contractors that will do the work of uh, adding on to the facility, and we anticipate breaking ground, hopefully in spring or early summer. Okay, It shouldn't be a, a terribly difficult project to do because it's mostly you know, changing the facade of the, the building. 
at the same time, simultaneously, um, we've hired a company called Worlds of uh, Wow. And all they do is they, they design um, children's ministry spaces. And so they will come in, and they're going to send their team in, and they will be, they'll do an on-site consultation with us. They're going to take pictures, take measurements, look at our space, interview the staff, and their whole job is to create a theme and a design to really bring some incredible elements to our kids' ministry, of which um, we, you know, we anticipate that the preschool is going to be able to, to fund um, the majority of that. And so we're excited about that. And yeah, yeah, oh, Molly's in with us. Can y'all tell Molly's in with us today? Uh, so um, that work will, that, I don't know exactly when that work will happen, but it doesn't, it's not the same as the other work. So you could see it beginning to happen even before then. We do have to work around the preschool, but um, this work will happen this year as well. And so we're excited about um, those things beginning in 2020. Then here's a big one. We got some new staff coming, all right? Uh, and so there's uh, a, a while back, well, it's been two years now. I, um, I talked to, when, when Brent decided to uh, leave, I talked to Corey about um, taking Brent's place and leading worship. Now, at that time, Corey was on staff doing all of our um, graphic design, social media, just um, really helping us with our website and, and basically uh, giving us an incredible presence online. Where most people find us is actually through our website. So that's uh, a really important part of our ministry. Well, he also um, had filled in um, from time to time, and I knew we had a, a real strong uh, uh, connection and chemistry. And so I asked Ori to come on. Uh, Ori, <laughs> I asked Corey to come on board, and he agreed. He said, "But I, he said I have to tell you, man, I don't see myself." as a worship pastor. I said, well, you could try it out, man, and if it doesn't work out, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And so it took him two years to, to finally come to me and say, man, I think I've crossed the bridge, um, and I'm ready. Like, I, I, I feel like somebody else needs to take the worship ministry where it needs to go, and it's not me. And so uh, Corey's not going anywhere. Um, we won't let him go anywhere. We love him to death. And so he will, he will go back into his original role. He will still be part of the team. And we will hire a new worship pastor when the Lord shows us who to hire. Now, what's exciting is, is in, in all of this, I used to function a lot more like an executive in my role as a pastor and think, okay, we got to do this, this, and this, um, and we'll just go out and find somebody. Um, and I don't do that anymore because I'm not an executive, okay? I'm a pastor. And my job is to listen to the Lord and look at what he's doing and try to be in agreement and lead you guys in agreement with that. Now, are there executive things that I do? Sure. And can I learn from that? Sure. But I don't want to lead that way because that's not what I am. And so I've been listening to the Lord and, and um, he's up to something that's really cool. Right now I'm talking to two different people. And I don't know that this will work out, and I don't mind sharing with you because I don't mind saying, hey, man, I told you, I'm listening to the Lord. He may shift this all tomorrow, okay? But right now, there are a couple of people who are interested in joining our team, and one of them would be in a part-time position of worship, um, which would enable us to bring on somebody to help us in discipleship and a lot of the admin uh, stuff around here that really needs some attention. And so we're, we're, we're excited about that. And what I would do, what I'd ask you at this point is just to join me in prayer about that, that um, the Lord would show us 
exactly what he wants to do and show these other people. And who knows, uh, in a couple of months, we may uh, be adding to the spiritual family at OPCC, and uh, they, they maybe can come and help us like Apollos was helping the church uh, early on. Okay, so we, we have that coming up, and our objective will be first we have to secure the worship pastor, um, and then that will let us know whether we're going part-time or full-time, and that's sort of um, how things play out and what we could do with the second position, okay? Which brings us to our final thing, which is new budget. And at this point, I get to take a little breather and get a drink of water, and Q will come up, and he will share with you. Um, he's our treasure. And uh, come on, man. He'll take you through the budget, and then I'll, I'll come back up and land us, and, and we'll go watch the Chiefs Chargers. Amen? All right. Amen. Yeah. All right. You all hear me? Before you get going, one thing that's not in the budget is a new podium. That's the right size. I feel like Shaquille O'Neal's in the back ready to come out. So we get that one fixed. So anyhow, so as Jimmy said, what we're going to talk about today is the operational budget, what we do every year to keep everything going. What we're doing for the building, separate bank account, separate budget, separate everything else. So here we're talking about the operations of the church. All right. It's not showing back there. All right. Next slide. So we'll do, we'll do a quick uh, review on 2019. Look at our cash and debt overview tithe and offering forecast, look at our budget actual comparison, and some key summary points, discussion, and vote. So all super, super exciting stuff. I know you're excited. And, uh, and what I tried to do here was some of you guys don't like numbers, and some of you guys will want more detail. So if you want less, sorry. If you want more, we can talk later, get into more detail. I try to keep it at a level that we have enough information out there, but not burying everybody in numbers. Next slide, please. So 2019 overview. Uh, so this is kind of how we're ending the year. Once again, real high level. So uh, ties and ties and offerings. So we're going to come in really close to where we forecasted. So uh, about one percent short, unless uh, somebody really digs deep in their pocket today in the last uh, last offering of the year, we can go that up. But pretty good. And basically, what we did, we'll talk a little bit more. We forecasted basically a 10 percent increase over 2018 actuals. We're going to come really, really close to hitting that. Operating expenses, so uh, we budgeted 283, but only spent 267, and that's a theme as we go through year by year. The staff does a really good job of being good stewards of our budget and our money, and uh, they're really handy guys, and they do a bunch of maintenance and stuff that normally we'd have to hire out, so we save a lot of uh, money there. So in the day, uh, we should end up the, up the year with a operating surplus of about $12,000. So that's good, and if you remember last year, which I'm sure you do, um, you know, everybody remembers me come up here talking. Uh, we forecasted an operating deficit for this year and, and with God's grace overcome it, and we did, and so we'll end up with a little surplus this year, which is nice. So next slide, please. So cash and debt. So we're ending up, um, we should end up with about $104,000 uh, in the bank between our checking and our savings account here going into 2020. Once again, no debt at all. So very strong operating posi uh, position here for us. We got cash in the bank, no debt. So that really allows us to, um, to uh, do, do some things and, and uh, project some growth here. Next slide, please. 
So to start off, you know, uh, we try to figure out, you know, where we kind of think we'll go. And, and once again, it's all, it's all God's grace. We just try to put some things to it to get reasonable and what is what we feel like is stepping out on faith, but in some reasonableness here. So basically what we did, what I did, what we did was we took, we're going to end up this year, which is about $276,000 in tithes and offerings. We're going to estimate a growth of about 10%, which is what we did last year. So that would take us to our 2020 tithes and offerings budgets of about $303,000. And that's where we built everything off of. And so if you look to kind of see where we are, does that work? Is it reasonable or not? Uh, that second set of things there. So our 2018 actual tithes and offerings is about 253000 We forecasted that 10% growth again. We went about 9%. We should end up um, about 276. We forecasted 279, so short about 1%. So we feel really good about that 10% um, is good. We hit it this year, uh, more or less. And then with all the growth we've seen here late in the year, with a building project going on next year, we really think that is a very, very reasonable estimate for us. Next slide, please. So this one's a bit of an eye chart here. But as we talk about our 2020 budget, so these are kind of our high-level groupings of what we're doing here. So the very left in green is what we are proposing for a 2020 budget. Austin laid out what's that look like? What did it look like in 2019? What's well, a 2019 budget? Is that an increase or decrease to where we ended up actually? And then what's the increase decrease to 2019 budget? So personnel, we're gonna. Uh, so this is salaries. Uh, medical, that type of stuff for personnel, for our staff, 187,804. Buildings and grounds, so that's keeping the lights on and maintenance and all that type of stuff, of 22,000. Uh, utilities of 17,700. Auto bill expense, so that's kind of used a lot for the youth ministry to rent vans, go back and forth, the U camp, stuff like that, at 2,000. Operational support at 16,000. So that is, uh, think of it like a SGNA almost. So that is um, uh, website hosting, you know, advertising, digital, buying paper for the bulletins, inks, all that type of stuff. Ministry, 16,000. So that's spent directly on ministry events um, and those type of things. Professional expenses of 22,000. Um, that's part of the staff uh, package that we break out a little bit differently for tax purposes and, and different ways uh, that they then utilize stuff to get reimbursed for what they do in doing their ministry. Outside giving is 6,000. So we support a church that had supported us that did a new church plant. So that's $6,000 a year we go to send down to them and we've committed to them for three years to do that. Um, that's something that really helped us, us out in our early years of them supporting us. So we're in a position to be able to support them. Uh, specifically our discipleship ministry of 3,000. So that takes us to a total operating expense budget of 292,554. And if we look, that is basically an increase of about 24,000, 25,000 to where we're gonna end up in 2019 um, actual and about 9,000 more than where we had budgeted in 2019. So the difference between that budget and actual is once again is in 2019, we didn't spend nearly as much as what we had budgeted. So once again, I think a very reasonable um, expense budget uh, based off of where we are and, and how we've uh, operated and the stewardship um, the staff has done. Next page, please. So then here, just a real high level summary. So ties and offerings of 303,000 was total operating expenses of 292,554. 
which puts us at a projected 2020 surplus of about $11,000. And what that allows us to do, gives us a little breathing room um, for unexpected expenses that might pop up with whatever it might be. I don't want to say it out loud because then it might happen, but stuff happens during the year, right? So it gives a little bit of breathing room there. And so kind of our key summary points. So what we're looking at is a tithe and offerings of about 303,000, which is a 10% increase over where we expect in 2019. Uh, we feel it's pretty conservative based off of the building project and the growth we've seen and continue to see and kind of how that growth has really picked up kind of here in the second half of the year as opposed to the first half. And we, really what we saw in 2019 is kind of that 10% growth. Expenses, so the operating expense budget of about 292,000 which is a 3% increase to the 2019 budget and about a 9% increase to 2019 expected actuals. So once again, not a, uh, not a big step up and with stewardship, I imagine would probably come in uh, below that. So that's forecasting us $11,000 surplus um, and um, a little bit sensitivity analysis if you guys wanna get in there. So our fixed expense is about 264. So that gives us about a $39,000 cushions in ties and offerings forecast um, uh, as far as being able to hit those fixed expenses um, and about 11,395 cushion to where we're gonna end up uh, ties and offerings here in 2019. So with that, questions? Ron, I knew it. Yes, all of the staff additions Jimmy talked about is built into this budget. And what we, what I did, what we did was we kind of forecasted kind of a late Q1, early Q2 of all those transitionings happening. So all that staffing that Jimmy talked about is built into this budget. Anybody else? Man, it's a lot easier than work. I get a lot of questions. All right. We would entertain a motion to accept the budget if there's no further questions or discussion. Second. All in favor say aye. aye. All opposed say nay. All right. Thank you. A lot of churches people be stomping mad right now. We have a business meeting right during Sunday service. That's awesome. And very encouraging to me. I would say to the Hearst family, um, your children, you Hearst kids, to go home and hug your father. He's a great help to the church. Amen? Amen. Quentin, we appreciate you. Um, so, uh, the big idea, if we're going to have fun in 2020, okay, we're just going to have a good time. And I think a lot of people will experience kingdom completeness, and I think a lot of things are going to get completed uh, around the, the ministry physically uh, of the church. I sit there and I'm like, man, it's not a ton of money, um, but what a, what a financial blessing the Lord um, has, has provided for us. I, I remember digging into the books when I first got here and like the, the income was, I think, for the entire year prior was $50,000. And so the Lord, the Lord has made a way, man, and, and to think about the faithfulness of you guys even to um, step out in faith and see something big happen on the campus. Uh, these are exciting times. And so I want to say thank you um, from the bottom of my heart for your commitment uh, to the ministry here at OPCC. Thank you for how you're listening and following the Lord. 
and um, I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do in, in the coming year. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.